Welcome to Soul Talk, a podcast founded and created by Monica Ramirez, the warrior of love. Soul Talk was created in 2020 when a pandemic hit and we were in lockdown. She wanted to have exciting conversations with open-minded people so they could understand different aspects of herself and she could help others in the same way. She interviews healers, coaches, therapists, psychics, readers, channelers, mediums, intellectuals, poets, artists, and more. She calls it Soul Talk because it started as a conversation from soul to soul. Hello, everyone. This is Monica Ramirez, Warrior of Love, and thank you for being in Soul Talk. Today, we have one of my friends that I met in person in Puerto Vallarta that we had a great time over there. And I learned many things from her over there, and uh, I'm so glad that I I got them in this uh, encounter with her. And we even have a session over there. And she is Candy Mozart. She is a author and she's a, also a podcast host. And she has her own podcast. And also she is business coach and for life, for life coaches. But she's going to tell us a little bit more about her. Candy, thank you for accepting my invitation for Soul Talk. I really appreciate that. And uh, so, I'm so excited okay. for the conversation. And um, I think the thing that is interesting is that the speaking of the Mexico trip, the Puerto Verde trip, when we first got on the group call, just that initial get to know you call, I thought, oh, she looks interesting. I'd like to get to know her. And so I just feel so fortunate and blessed to be invited to be on your show. Thank you. Oh, no, I've been practicing what we thought over there about the emotions, because we all coaches and healers and even psychics and so forth, we have something in common that once in a while we feel like with imposter syndrome, (laughs) that we don't believe in ourselves enough or we doubt of ourselves. And I bet this happened to many of your clients, correct? It happens to every client. It's not even many of my clients, but it's every single one and every coach that I meet as well. And that's what's so interesting. I, I think that imposter syndrome is a, maybe a, maybe it's called the wrong thing. The way it's called, we think that it's a problem, but maybe what it is for us is a symptom of our growth. You know, that the next step that we're coming to We're inhabiting that space, but we don't feel like we quite belong there yet. And so I wonder what would be possible if we didn't call it a problem and we just said, oh, there's the sign that I'm growing. There's the sign that I'm here for the next level. I wonder what would be possible for that. What do you think about that, Monica? I do agree. In fact, um, one of the times that I have felt like that, many times, because it's a repetition once in a while when you go to the next step. The other day I was noticing this, that I was feeling sad. And I used to be depressed and taking medications for my depression until I stop and, and change and shift that. And the other day I was feeling sad and I was like, oh, am I having a depression again? And I got scared and like, oh, no, 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 no. I am be feeling sad. Yes, I'm passing through some stuff and that's okay. I'm human. And I, and I let it go. But when I came out from there, my energy has shifted. I was feeling different. 
I was feeling stronger. And it's like, oh, I went to the next step. But that moment of sadness or and even the scare of being depressed, uh, it was going to my next stage. Right. Right. And it's really interesting what you're saying because, I mean, I'm not a therapist, but when we've got uh, an illness that we have experienced and then we've moved past that illness, we've healed, it's often, it's often common that we get scared that we're going to go back there. And so what I love about what you said is that you experience sadness and then you paused the pause is everything, right? The pause is where our power is. You paused and you remember that you're human and you're allowed to experience every emotion. And in fact, every emotion is part of the human experience. And it doesn't mean that there is an, the illness is coming back. It's not to say that you're never going to experience depression again as an illness, but to allow yourself to experience those emotions. And maybe imposter syndrome is like that. Maybe imposter syndrome actually has an emotion attached to it. Like we call it imposter syndrome. But I know that when I experience it, it's almost a combination of emotions. And so I'm curious what you think. I notice that I feel like I want to hide, you know, so I feel like I'm kind of pulling back. I feel like insufficient, like I'm not enough. I feel a little scared or a lot scared and that vigilant. Do you know the word vigilant? Like you're on guard, right? So it's like, it's a combination and I may have missed an emotion, but I just noticed that it's sort of like a, it's like a ball of all of these emotions together. And I wonder if using what you described of pause, acknowledge that it's an emotion and that that's part of life and allow that to move, if we could do the same thing that you did is come to that next level, realize that it's the next level of growth for you. Like that would be amazing, right? That would be amazing. But I do remember one time uh, at the beginning of, uh, of when I start coaching and I start working with these clients. And, uh, and after working with them hard and, you know, even putting more hours because it was my first client when I was not even honoring myself. So I was putting more time and more time and more time whenever they need me and jumping whenever they need me and so forth. But they were still in the same process. And it passed session after session and they were still in the same process. I give them homeworks and things to do and they're still in the same process. And I start thinking, maybe I should go and look for a job and forget about coaching people because maybe I'm not good enough. (laughs) And then when I start helping other people, and I started realizing that I was making a shift in the other and with my other clients, but not them. And it was like, oh, because I was feeling like I almost gave up in, in trying to help people because I was not feeling I was giving someone to tell me my worth as a coach, when in reality it was their own personal work. It was not about me. It was about them in reality. And always and always. Right. It's their internal experience and what they choose to do and how they manage their emotions so that they can move forward is always on them. And it doesn't mean that if it takes them a little bit longer, like an hour longer or a day longer or a year longer, 
it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong. It's just that that is their process, right? Um, I work with a, a lot of coaches as well. And one of the big things that I see as a pattern is new coaches who are starting their business, you know, so they've chosen a niche, they're starting to post on social, they're starting to maybe write a blog or, you know, they're starting to do stuff. And they have a coaching package that they can offer to people to sell and make money, which is great. But then they stop. And what are, this, what are they doing? Why are they stopping? Well, they stop because of fear. And some of them move through that fear pretty quick. And others, it takes time. And once they realize that fear, that emotion, is actually part of the journey and that every coach, whether they're not that I'm a Tony Robbins fan, because I'm not, whether they're Tony Robbins or somebody who's only ever coached one person, they all started as that person who is afraid. And it's just a matter of how fast you want to go through there. So the interesting thing, and I'm curious if you experience this with your clients too, is there comes a time where they just go, that's enough. I've had enough of this. I, I'm not going to allow this anymore. It's like they pull off the Band-Aid and then they just go. And then it's like night and day. It's like in that instant of allowing themselves to feel imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. that mix or afraid or whatever. And then they rip that Band-Aid off. And then it's like the, it, everything opens up for them. So do you experience that with your clients as well? That all of a sudden, it all something happens that they choose, and then everything opens up. It is about the aha mm. because when we when we finally get to do that soft spot with a client, and they have the ah, I get it. That's what it makes the shift, and it can happen in a second, or it can never happen. But that depends on the person, and yes. I I tend to give them a lot of journaling because i believe that as the journaling is the way that we can focus our mind to actually focus in one thought or else they're going to be you sit down and actually let me think about this how i feel and then i haven't cooked i haven't gone to do this i have to do the laundry and you go your mind goes everywhere and when you focus your thought that's when you can get many more oh aha uh-huh, moments Mm-hmm. And but not every single client is going to be like that, and and that's where we're going to start doubting how good we are, or so, or we're going to compare ourselves with other coaches. Oh, they're having many results. Are they? Really we don't know them? exactly. Right? We never we never know how successful that other client is with their with their clients, you know, sorry, my words are wrong. We never know how successful that coach is actually successful with their clients, how effective they are, and whether the client receives the results that they want or not. But I think that's partly because we think of coaching as the coach comes in as the expert, and then the client should get the results. But really, it serves us more to think of the coaching as a partnership. The coach brings their strengths and their coaching skills. They bring it to the room. And then the client also shows up in the room. And it's in that partnership that the magic happens. So 
as you're talking about journaling, I 100% agree. Like I'm a big journaler and all my clients journal. And you can see on the screen behind me here. I don't know if you can see them. Those are journals over and over and over. Like <laughs> you've got them too, right? Yeah. Um, but what I notice is in the journaling, then the journal is the room. So the client comes to the room with their pen and their journal and listening to that voice of the inner self and the observer, right? And that's, that's a, the similarity in that relationship. Yes, and, and the thing is, when we start comparing, going back to the uh, imposter syndrome, when we start comparing to others, mm. that's when we can get lost. Yes. How do you work with that? I would like to you even tell our listeners how uh, some tricks, how do you work with people? Okay, I would love that. Before I do that, I want to tell you a great quote. This is one of my absolute favorite quotes about imposter syndrome. Do you mind if I read it to you? Oh, yes, please do. So here it says, when I won the Oscar, I thought it was a fluke. I thought everybody would find out and they'd take it back. They'd come to my house, knocking on the door, and they would say, excuse me, we meant to give that to someone else. Who said that? Hmm. I don't remember. Yeah, it's Jodie Foster. Oh, wow. Right? Like... <laughs> So, so let me tell you, I mean, most people that listen to this show and, you know, in my world as well, we know who Jodie Foster is at the drop of a hat, right? Yeah. And so when I looked up her credits, she's won two Oscars, three um, British Academy Awards, three Golden Globes. She's an honorary Cecil B. DeMille winner. She's an actress, a director, and a producer, an extremely accomplished person who's mastered a craft and continues to master. And yet she says that, right? So that's one of the first things that I do. I have a whole, <laughs> I have a whole sheet of these kinds of quotes from people that I would never have expected. And so oftentimes just knowing that you're not alone, that would be the first thing that I would suggest when helping somebody overcome imposter syndrome read one of these quotes and compare the pedestal that you put that individual on and that they experience imposter syndrome. And if, if they do and you do, there must be, that gives you a commonality, right? So the first thing is recognize that imposter syndrome is common, that almost every single person experiences that and many of the people that you look up to also experience imposter syndrome. So that would be the first thing. The second is share how you're feeling. Share, share that you're feeling like an imposter. See what happens when you talk to one of your good friends or a supportive family member or your coach or your mentor. When you say that, talk to them. And then... Most of the time when my clients share something with me about how they're feeling like an imposter, I actually giggle because I remember, I remember who they are. I remember what they've done in their life. And I'm like, you're kidding, right? Like, do you remember that you're the person who's done this and you've done this 
and you've done this and you've accomplished this and you took your courage and you went and you did this. And that's the value of working with a coach as somebody who remembers who you really are. And so then we kind of giggle together. So acknowledging that it's common, seeing who your role model might be that also experiences that, talking with somebody who is a trusted person and getting a bit of perspective. So those are the first things that I would do. Next, I would keep, uh, I call it like a treasure file. So it's the file of the good words, the kind words that people have said to you. Like as a coach, you get notes from clients or audio clips or whatever from clients and keep a file of that when they say, ah, that session made so much difference to how I feel that working with you is really valuable. When you have that treasure file to go back to, you can remind yourself that you are in the right place doing the right thing and that it's just your brain playing a trick on you. So those are some tips. They're very matter of fact, but they really work. I, I do agree with that because that after, like I was mentioning before, when that client, I was doubting myself even to drop everything and go and look for a job. And uh, and then, but I got uh, actually some reviews from some a lot of the clients that I was working to, and they were amazing reviews. And it's like, that keep me going. Mm, that was right. part of the treasure test uh, yes. uh, trunk that I had there. I wanted to tell you, uh, it just came here when you were talking about that, that there are two things. One, people do so many expectations of coaches and healers and therapists, even psychologists and, and so forth, that they have to be perfect, that they could not have any mistakes. <laughs> and that's a lie. We're still humans and people forget about that. Even that I always have say, even the Dalai Lama, that it is in this plane, in the 3D, because he's still in the 3D. Mm -hmm. If he's still in the 3D, it's because he still have, work, uh, have to do work, some work in himself. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody has their work to do. And that's interesting. I don't notice, um, I don't notice that as much with um, therapists and with coaches, that the expectation is that they're, you know, somehow... They've got it all together. You know, they don't have any problems. But I do see that a lot in spiritual entrepreneurs. And I see it a lot with, um, you know, like tarot readers or psychics or, you know, Reiki masters. I see a lot of it in that part of the helping industry. And I don't know if you've experienced this or not, but I have noticed that sometimes client use like hiring, um, hiring a, a, you know, a spiritual guide or healer that they use that as a way to sort of give up, like not take their own responsibility for their life. It's like, maybe they decide they want to go for a, a psychic reading or they want to go for a tarot reading and they'll go, they'll buy that tarot reading and then they'll go and they'll expect the person to tell them what to do. But yeah. It doesn't work that way. It's like we give up our responsibility. And so maybe that's part of why they think they should be perfect 
is because they've got them sitting like, tell me what to do with my life so that I've, I solve all my problems and I don't have to do any work for it, right? That's one of the big reasons. I do have many tarots even behind me because I love them. But I, I do not offer that service because of that reason. At the I did have many clients that they were obsessed that they were coming, they, if they could come three times a week, they would come three times a week for a tarot. And what I tell them is like, okay, have you changed your ways of thinking or feeling? No, they're the same. Then how do you expect the energy will shift in a tarot? It won't. You're not doing your inner work. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I am not responsible for you or your actions and your choices. So that's why I don't offer it anymore. It's not interesting, right? Like, I wonder why in that area that people expect, like the, it's not even a miracle because a miracle happens because you have the intention and you put your attention on it and you help to create that, right? Yes. By who you are. But if they did that, they could use those readings in a way that is so much more powerful because they'd be able to see that next place that they could get to. It could open their eyes to possibilities. Or what limitations they have or what things they have to change on themselves to have a different result. Yes. But they don't use that. They want someone become responsible of their own actions mm. and not themselves. Yeah. I think that you know, a good service to the world for people who are psychics, tarot readers, um, intuitives, is to, instead of only just doing the readings, it's showing you how to do the reading. And then so that they're equipping them with the tool instead of taking that hammer and banging the nail for them, it's hand them the hammer. Here's some nails. Here's a piece of wood. Go do it. And let's see what it's like. Because then they're really empowered. And that's what it, and that's what it's about, right? I agree. That's, that's one of the reasons why I teach channeling. Because everybody is a channel. They just forgot how to do it. But that's one of the reasons why. Because empowering the people is very important. So that's interesting um, the, that you shifted more to the channeling because of that because it empowers people and it allows you to help them empower it themselves, right? Because I've experienced when we were in Mexico, um, I was part of three of the channeling meditations that you did and they were amazing. Yeah, and each of us got our own thing out of it. That was great. Thank you. Welcome. In choosing to be part of this group, you have said yes to yourself. You've chosen to confront those limitations keeping you from achieving the life of your dreams. Monica Ramirez, Warrior of Love, is a transformational belief coach. She's a psychic channeler, certified NLP, life coach, BQH, that is hypnotherapy, Akashic Records reader, public speaker, writer, and artist. She works with many modalities and has created her own, like this one, to help you let go of the limitations and achieve the transformation you desire, so you can anchor your emotions that you desire. Monica will be hosting a new session every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Time, leading the group through a guided meditation, then proceeding to work with people individually. So join Monica here in this free journey by joining the Zoom link.
and going back to the the theme of yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Imposter syndrome. It was. I wanted to to say something that it is go deep in the families of each one of the the humans. We're alive. We come from a family, and in that family. There's an old uh, saying that it says no one is profit in their own town. So they're gonna, your family is the one who's going to continue reminding you the mistakes that you did when you were a teenager. And now you're coaching and helping people, but you have your reminders, your gaslighters, that as part of your family, they're going to be reminding you who you were when you were 15 or when you were 13 or something like that. So what happened with these coaches? How do they work with themselves uh, enough so like that they don't have, they're not affected, but uh, for the gaslighters, they're the family that they know where the bottoms that are going to make them react. How do you work with them? Because I bet all your clients, they have families and they have this. Right. So you've got the button pushers. You've got the people who remember you when you were young, for sure. And, you know, oh, you used to be this, you used to be like that. So how could you be a coach and actually help someone now? And then you've got the other layer of it, too. I really like the approach that you have about the family, you know, that we've come, we've come from a long line of ancestors. And the other part is that our ancestors had much more danger in their life. So... Currently, people who might say, well, when you were 13, you did this, trying to sort of pull you back from who you're growing into becoming. But then you've got that ancestral lineage of staying safe and staying safe for really good reasons. Staying safe because staying as part of the family group meant that you had safety and that you were staying alive and that you had food and that you were taken care of as a human. So you've got two things going on there, right? So how do you overcome that? And I think the first is just the awareness. The awareness that that was the way you were when you were younger and the awareness that your ancestral line, their life was a completely different, completely different. It had such a different paradigm for how they lived. They really were much more into survival. And so they needed to stay safe. So they needed to keep people small and safe, which meant don't take risks, which means don't step out and be a coach, right? So there's the two pieces. So what do you do? Is awareness. Oh, is awareness. And like you said earlier, take that pause, take a breath. Remember that who you are right now is a result of who you used to be and you are still the observer and you're still the creator of your thoughts. And when you know that you are the observer and the creator of your thoughts, it places you back into that place of power where you can say, well, I might have been that way when I was 13 and I learned things from there, but I'm not that individual now. And I may be, the product of an ancient lineage where life was exceedingly dangerous, but because of their sacrifice, 
I am able to have this impact on the world now. So my ancestors set me up to have this. And so it's that awareness, pause, remember, but know that we always evolve, you know, and this is where you are is the evolution. That is so true. That is a very good advice because I bet everybody gets triggered. That's why no one, when we get adults, we want to run out of holidays. And that's very human. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So what about you? What do you notice? What do you do when you feel like you're experiencing imposter syndrome? I'm curious as well. How does that go? I, I pass through that. I, well, I, I see it. I observe it. I, I started seeing that I'm doubting myself. And it's like, okay, I'm going to give a next step. Even with all my fears, even feeling the way I'm doubting myself, I'm just going to go by the book in this moment because my, I know my... My psychic right now, it is uh, is gaslighting by myself. So I go through that and uh, go by the book. Okay, I see my client. I and I'm going just by the book because I'm self doubting. And but then I start seeing results. I'm going to start seeing the results and so forth. That's when I let again my channeling go through and it's like you know what? How about this and how about that? And that's when I see the shift in my client. And that inner voice that it was making me so doubt, it just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it dissolves, right? Yeah. So that awareness, and you just keep going, but not necessarily a huge amount, just a little. Yes. And then come to a feeling of safety again, and then allow. It's very interesting. But having also the knowledge that keep me in a way like, okay, let's just your NLP, your BQH, go by the book. Forget about the channeling because right now you're doubting it. Mm, so mm-hmm. by the book, go what it is in, in paper, you know, not what it is in the ether. Right. So like that, that helps too. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's very helpful. And that's really, I think that's really going to be helpful for the listeners too, that to get that reminder that they can always just go back to the rules, right? They can go back to This is the way, you know, this is my coach training. So I'm going to go, in my case, I'm going to ask a powerful question. I'm going to listen more carefully and, but not necessarily listen to the words between the words and the spaces. Yes. And those gaps when they speak. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about your book uh, that you wrote. Mm, What is the name of it? Because... It is Personal Growth and Success Journal. It's up on the shelf there. Um, And it's actually, it's not so much a book as a journal. And I wrote it, um, I was approached by a publisher about two years ago, and they invited me to write this book. And that's a whole nother story. That's a whole imposter syndrome story. In that, I looked at the email, and I thought that it was like a scam. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, can and then I was like, they kept emailing and I'm like, oh, must be a scam. And then I read it and I thought, well, I have nothing to lose by having a conversation. So I did. 
And then I had my lawyer look at everything because I thought it was still a scam, but it wasn't. And so they commissioned me to write a journal and it's aimed at sort of 20, 20 year olds who are just starting on that personal development and a place to capture their thoughts and to question their thoughts and notice how they're feeling and make that personal growth start to happen. So it's super fun. It's a, it was a great, great process. I will put the links uh, of the book so you can find it in Amazon. It's in Amazon, correct? Yes, it is. Thanks. I would really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because just more people right now are waking up or are starting to do the self-development and they're asking for tools. And they might not be ready to actually take a class because they feel like they're going to waste their money at the beginning. That's what they feel, they think. And then sometimes they just need a book so they can write, so they can understand what is happening to them, how they're realizing different things that before they didn't realize. Then after that, probably they will go with a coach or something like that. But for, at the beginning, is many times is a book that's going to open up the, the growth on them. Yeah, I agree. And I think I, I agree that a book is a safe place. The other place that I think people are finding is very safe is podcasts, like listening to this podcast. I'm sure there's a lot of people that tune in and listen. And then they're like, it just sort of opens their eyes and they may take the next step and the next step. And I still have um, a couple of clients that I've been working with for years, and they have told me that it took them a while to even book that very first call to talk about what it would be like to work together because they were so mistrustful. They thought that coaching was a scam. Notice the theme, right? (laughs) Notice the theme that it was a scam and that really it couldn't make any difference to their life and that really that the coach was some kind of a like a crook that was just going to take their money and and it was just going to be a horrible experience so it took them a while to even book the first call and I'm glad they did because what they've done with their life is absolutely amazing but it's just like with the um, imposter syndrome They were holding themselves back, thinking something was true without trying something new, without believing that maybe it was possible that they could be something even more, and then taking a small chance, taking a small step, and then another step, and then another step. So it's it's a very similar journey, I think, to imposter syndrome. In the arena of coaches, I have... Wow, I have heard coaches of everything, even the cheerleader coaches or laughing coaches. or There are thousands of coaches that I cannot even say all their names because maybe I don't even acknowledge them all. But many of them, they just decide that they just want to be a coach in one day and they start working without any kind of knowledge. And uh, unfortunately, that's what is happening. And that's why the Many people think that coaches are scammers without thinking that actually that we did some studies and certifications, so we, we've been doing the work. Yes, yes, it's true. And 
you know, that's a two, that's a coin that's two-sided, right? In that somebody could decide to be a coach, just like in this moment, they decide they could be a coach and they don't have any formal training. And I always recommend people get formal training. It doesn't have to be a huge amount, but you do have to kind of learn the tools, right? However, there are people that are 50 years old that have spent their life being deep listeners for people. And uh, they're the people that the door knocks and somebody walks in and they sit down at their kitchen table and the teenagers come around. You know, so there are people who already can have a big impact without a lot of training. But you never know who that's going to be. So if you want to be a coach and it's meaningful to you, I can't imagine why you wouldn't go and get training because it's like, this is important work. I'm working with somebody's life and helping them, helping them grow. Why wouldn't I do that responsible thing of taking the training and continuing to master the skill to get even better? So it's a, it is a bit of a mystery to me why somebody wouldn't, would not ever take training. Um, I don't, I can't answer that. Because I'm the kind of person that loves to take training. So, right? <laughs> I'm always a, a, a student for life, I believe. So, because I feel that it, when you think that you know it all, that's when you lose it all. Yeah. Is that that is what keeps you alive? That curiosity of what else I can learn, what else I can. I always take in some certificates of something. And sometimes, like, I have to put a stop my, in myself because I have too many trainings at the same time. Like, I can't breathe because, but I did that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> put a couple but, on hold, and then so you can do one or two, and then when it's the next one's turn, then it, they can have their turn, right? Yeah. It is. I love that training as well. I think it's really important. And it's, um, you know, part of us doing our own personal work. And I think that it's, it's incumbent on us to do our own personal work because that is what we're selling. We're selling the personal development. So to be in integrity, we always have to be growing. So I think that it's a really good thing when, you know, a coach is like, I'm taking more trainings and more trainings and more trainings. It just means that they're doing the work and they're going before their client, showing them that, you know, this is a, this is a lifelong journey. Yes, there is the two kind of coaches, the ones that we continue training. And we are we understand that we need also coaches for ourselves in our personal life or in our uh, our business or whatever it is. And there are the people that know it all, that they don't feel that it is necessarily they're a coach that can only apply it whatever they uh, read in a book. Sometimes we just need to talk and find the blind spots that we cannot see. And mm-hmm. that's why something that the, the session that I had with you in Puerto Vallarta, it was so, so helpful because I was having those blind spots. That Don't you are, we all? Don't that, we all? Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's that, part of it. That you actually focus me and make me see the blind spots that I was having on myself. And that's why it is so important to also always have coaches because when we're not, we can't see it all, we try, but we lie to ourselves. 
sometimes because it is that's painful. Let's put it like that. <laughs> it is true, but I and I think that this is also it's it's sort of you know full circle back to earlier in the conversation when you say how you recommend that your clients journal a lot because you can't always be in conversation with a coach at that moment. You have your session for the week or every other week, but then life happens in those, you know, remaining seven days. And so that's where the journaling and meditation Mm -hmm. can really help because then it brings you back to that center. It allows you to get some good perspective as well. And for people who can't afford to work with a coach, maybe a newer coach who can't go out and hire a coach, there is nothing wrong with working with a peer and doing some kind of a barter swap to begin with or being part of a group and being experiencing coaching that way. I think there's lots of good opportunities for people. And it's fun to try fun to try all the different ways too, right? Yes, there are so many modalities and some of them are so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have some programs that you work in groups or you work only one-on-one, Andy? Um, Currently, I'm working one-on-one, mostly. I do have a digital program that I have for new coaches. It's a basic business training for them to get their business started. And then I'll also be offering an eight-week live training. So it'll be everything for a brand new coach to come in and choose their niche start to understand their dream client, decide what social media platform they're going to want to be on, start to reach out, make connections with people, have a coaching package to offer and get coaching and start making money. So that's something that I am offering. It's going to be going in about a month from now. Um, So lots of different ways to reach out and work with me. Thank you so much. Do you you have something else that you would like to add to this? In beautiful interview with you conversation mm. oh my favorite thing is my podcast so that's the thing is if you like my voice if the way that i speak resonates with you you're here on a podcast so come on over and listen to my podcast it's she coaches coaches and i do interviews i do solo episodes i do teaching sometimes i even do coaching demonstrations and i just have so much fun over there so that would be that would be the other thing that I would recommend yeah I will be adding the information of her podcast she coaches coaches I love that name (laughs) in in the description uh down below so like that you can uh go and listen to her and hey you might have more uh podcasts that you can uh you can listen to and we learn from everything agreed yeah I really enjoyed this conversation, Monica. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much, Candy. And I will be sharing all her links also. So you, if you need a, a coach, a business coach, she will be one of the persons to go uh, to go for. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. This is Monica Ramirez, Warrior of Love. And thank you for being in Soul Talk. And if this helped you, please uh, share it with your friends. It might help someone else too. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today. I would love to share with you my transformational system, Path to the Heart, that I created just for you. 
head over to monicaramireswarriorlove.com and you will find free resources. In there, you can download a masterclass on how to stop being people pleaser and meditations to get you started.